Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We're a third of the way through Trader Baru Cormorant. That's uh, that's up to chapter 11. New section. Mm-hmm. New section, Warlord. Pretty good. Pretty good. I've got a little warm-up. Okay. It's more of a... It's, well, yeah, we'll keep the phrase warm-up. Um, so, yeah, yeah. If you want to skip the warm up, check check the show notes. Luke's, I, I will s- say this for the people listening at home. Luke's got a pretty big smile on his face, so you probably don't want to skip this one. I'm excited. I this. Um, so I have not been a big computer game guy mm-hmm. in my in my recent years. Mm-hmm. As a youngin, I was very into a few computer games, and I will say, just bought one. Because it was on sale. Oh, a little Age of Empires 2? Age of Mythology, actually. Good guess. <laughs> oh, it was an outstanding guess. Holy, holy cannolis. Yeah, okay. We, we love Age of Mythology. That's actually not what this is about, though. Oh. Just wanted to give you guys an alert. On sale. <laughs> it's on sale. Okay. Wow. Thanks for the heads up. The What I do want to bring up is the best game that has ever been made or will ever be made. Oh, okay. All right. RuneScape. Yeah, not controversial at all. <laughs> I think everyone would agree. Continue. Everyone would agree. Um, old style RuneScape mm-hmm. coming back February 24th. Uh-huh. I saw it. I saw it. First time I had thought of RuneScape in years, saw it as I was buying Age of Mythology, and we're, in, we're here for it. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I don't know if in... My adult phase, I actually have the time to devote. I don't think we do to to what RuneScape requires, but I really wish I did. Yeah, I don't think we do. Even in our current outside of time reality that we live in, where days and weeks and months don't really exist anymore, it's just you know time. <laughs> and I don't think even now you and I have the time for RuneScape mm-hmm. because so. RuneScape, RuneScape changed. Actually, I don't know if RuneScape ever changed, but when we were when we were kids, I don't think we realized how many older people were on RuneScape that were just like running scripts, like computer scripts, to have their their characters play the game. But it was a lot. Oh, it was, and I, I don't mean this. I don't mean like when I first logged into RuneScape. And an elven lady showed me how to make bread, and I f- added her as a friend on my RuneScape account, and would message this elven lady every time I logged in. Uh, no, 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 that was an NPC that Daniel didn't realize. <laughs> That's a separate thing. That's the tutorial. Yeah, I know, I know, but I thought that this was the mo- really friendly lady on okay. RuneScape helping me out, and I thought it was so nice. And so I just okay. wanted to continue that friendship. And I never heard back, but I did message the elven lady a lot. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. A lot of people who play RuneScape have it set up to where it just like runs in the background and they're like mining using a computer program. And they just have it set up to where the their characters running around doing stuff and they're not even engaging with it i don't love hearing that to be honest with you when okay so when you said when you said that you befriended the uh tutorial lady that just brought to mind the the dumb shit that i would do yeah as a runescape player because like i was like eight years old oh yeah this was some sixth grade kind of stuff i will say when i first got into it my friend that played before me had uh, some kind soul mm-hmm. taken taken pity on him, gave him like some really cool weapon, mm-hmm. and then so when he got when he got me to join, I actually named my character off of that guy because <laughs> we thought it was so cool. Wait, well, hold on, this is actually incredible because here you're creating like a legend within the game of like this other mm-hmm. player who you both like revered. As this like right, right. Johnny Appleseed one eighty one gave my friend a black shield, and so to honor that, 
I named my character Blackbird 182. Oh my gosh, you got the sequel. <laughs> right. You managed to pick up Blackbird 182 before anybody else did. It was tough. I had to rush for it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I would say, my top skill, and I did not run a script for this, mining. Oh, mining was the best. That was mine too. <laughs> Just doing it for hours. Right. Oh, yeah. Which which a part of me a part of me doesn't understand why somebody would just have it running on a script in the background like if you're what's the, like a part of me is like what's the point why are you like just mine bitcoin or something if you like, mm. you're not getting real value out of this you're just like running some bits and bytes and bobs around a computer it's not doing anything <laughs> and you're not even playing it you're just like oh i have a level 100 guy but you're not even really like playing it. So I don't I don't right. really understand it. But then I'm also like, yeah, but as an as a sixth grader, I would just spend my life doing that. Like as mm-hmm. a sixth grader, I would spend my time doing the thing that you could make a computer do. Like <laughs> like mining and then running back and smelting and crafting and then just repeating that over and over again. Ooh, okay, so rookie stuff here for one thing. Uh, I was the miner, my friend was the smelter. See, I didn't have many friends. If you couldn't tell by the elven lady that I friended very early on, I didn't have a lot of friends. But I will say, when when you, there's a computer script doing it, you do miss out on the beautiful interactions like with Blackbird 181. Or for example, mm-hmm. I had a few where I would just like, somebody would ask me to follow them. And I was a trust. I was trusting on the internet because I was new. Oh sure. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll follow you." Most of the time, they would take you out into the wilderness and kill you, and I just <laughs> didn't realize. But sometimes they would be like, "Hey, I got to go to the bank, uh, and then I'll give you a bunch of gold. Just follow mm-hmm. me." And I'd be like, "Yeah, all right, I'll do that. What, what if it works?" And a few times, people would just give me a bunch of gold. <laughs> That, okay, so first off, I'm sorry that this is going long. But I'm I not. Do, I love reminiscing about RuneScape. I will say I was a very risk-averse player. <laughs> uh, I don't think I went to the wilderness more than once. Oh, yeah, I would get tricked into going there was my problem. <laughs> because I did go there once to explore, immediately murdered. Immediately mm-hmm. murdered. And then I just wasn't a very um, observant sixth grader so okay they would be like hey follow me and you know how in runescape you could right click somebody and click follow and then your character would yeah. just automatically follow them so i would just be like hype following them around and i wasn't paying attention where we were going i was just like i found a buddy so i think that might have been part of my problem <laughs> um that's fair i will i i used runescape and when you look back on it very boring but i loved it my big move uh fighting chickens collecting <laughs> feathers you can turn those feathers for a quick profit very easily yeah the people fe- love feathers but feathers. no one's willing to grind for feathers that's where your boy comes in <laughs> the feather economy was big uh i also knew a lot of people who would would fish all day and then mm. just sell whatever they caught fishing mm. at the dock all day. And I will say I think it was a great a great first experience in the world of online gaming for for 6th grade Daniel, but the more we talk about this now, the more I don't think I want to dip back into that into that yes, well. Yes, I think that that's fair. I'm going to try it. February 24th rolls around. Uh I've got like 30 minutes between things that i'm supposed to do i'll, I'll make blackbird 183 oh. see what's see what's going on i i love that i'm excited for all of us frankly to hear back about your experience um be sure to stop and chat with the elven lady who shows you how to make bread because mm-hmm. she is just the nicest player um <laughs> and and enjoy that luke okay i will enjoy I will. that i think it's time I think it's time to talk about this book. Okay, I agree. And I think I think we kind of need to start this book by saying, man, what a bummer this is, huh? Mm-hmm. 
we've had a mm-hmm. few we've had a few books that are like this. The examples that come to mind are the Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin, Red Rising, Pierce Brown. That the world that we are in is bad. Y- yes, it's- I feel like this one's a little bit different than the normal one that I think of, though. Like, okay. I feel like we we do a lot of books where we start off with just bad things happening to our characters. And those are, like, tragedies that happen specifically to them or, like, bad circumstances. This one is just, like, oh, so the Nazis won. <laughs> okay, so this is, like, kind of what I mean, though, in that it's different from a lot of... And, and I guess we should also say here... We also read The Vagrant where literal demons are controlling things, but I don't even count that as the same. Like, I think this book falls in the same kind of, like, uncomfortable, depressing category that The Fifth Season and Red Rising did. Where the, the, in my mind, it's about the, like, this huge, systematic, like, kind of genocide that is happening where this big government that like our main character doesn't have a lot of chance to fight against in a real way at least in the very beginning is just gonna destroy anything they care about and there's not really even one villain right because it's just the system at large Mm -hmm. is awful and it's so it's such a bummer right it's such a bummer because it's also kind of real in a way Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like like this stuff very much happened in our world. And uh, if you couldn't tell, Luke and I are from the United States, which could be argued was a party to systems like this oh, for yeah, a long time. 100%. And some people would argue still is. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of a bummer. And I, I think I just want to about this to our listeners right now. A lot of things are a bummer. So if you if you're just like not into this, like if you just can't deal with it right now, I understand. I'm gonna give you a pass. I say, hey, maybe in a few years come back to these episodes. <laughs> in the meantime, uh you could you could listen to our Game of Thrones episodes. Those yeah, those are not a bummer at all. <laughs> yeah, but it's different. I think those books are a little different. It is different. I uh, the first note that I have very very much goes along with what you're saying, and that's that there's nothing good about the phrase social hygiene. <laughs> so like being social, good. Hygiene, great. Love hygiene. You put those together though, and it's horrific. Social hygiene never should be a term that is used. Right. Like, <laughs> right. You normally. put those those words separately, and I want to know you. Those words separately, and I'm like, yeah, I could probably be friends with you. Like, we could probably hang out. <laughs> you have okay. Hygiene is a very low barrier. Yeah, but it's necessary. It's necessary. Okay. You start putting those two things together, though, and I'm instantly like, no, mm, I'm not really curious about your deal at all anymore. No, no. Yeah. So this this masquerade sucks. It sounds really bad. <sighs> okay. Now that we've we've kind of gotten that out of the way, mm-hmm. I will say I'm very interested in how the masquerade functions because I think it's very mm. unique. As in like from a top-down way, like who's ruling? Um, I, I, I'm actually not as intrigued about that. I'm more intrigued by the war that they wage Mm. because it's very much not a military war that they're waging on all these places that they're conquering. And it's very much an economic war. Right. I will. I, I got the sense though, that at our, at our new place, I, I forget the actual name of it. Was there a real war there where there was like actually physical conquest? That's because I got the sense that there was. Yes, yes. So there definitely was. Not I, on our not on our home base though. No, the home base it was much more like cause a plague to happen and use economic influence to like shape mm-hmm. the island to do what you want. Right. Which 
Oh, man, once again, sounds very familiar to us, which sucks, which really sucks. It really um, does. But I just thought it was very interesting to see the kind of the way that an empire maintains its grip on on people that don't really want to be a part of it and and the way that they could they controlled people using this like paper money system i thought it was really interesting mm-hmm. and I, I don't think we've read about something like this before yeah yeah i think that that's fair especially like getting a sense of how big this empire is and we have like very little information about the actual like center of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we don't know much about Fallcrest. Right. It sounds like there was a revolution there that happened. Uh, they're like Nazis and they really like putting on masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love a good mask. They love a good mask. But aside from that, yeah, we don't have a lot of information about them, which is actually an interesting point you bring up, Luke, because Baru desperately wants to go there. And she knows as much as we do mm-hmm. about Fallcrest. Ah, maybe we don't be so ambitious. So maybe- you're saying like she she needs to take the advice of the Duchess that's trying to start this rebellion. Maybe. I... I think I think that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean it might just suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Like maybe she shows up and it just it smells terrible and and I get it like some people really like the fact that the buildings are so tall you can't really see anything else but the city, but it's not for me. It's not really for me. Okay. Okay. Like so you're saying that they're trying well do you think that they're trying to make everything exactly like fallcrest when you say everything like when they when they like kind the, of the conquer places a that place? they conquer mm-hmm. yeah yeah like are they trying to be like let's make this as close to fallcrest as we can or are they like let's make let's let's bring the fallcrest ideas here but keep a little flair <laughs> well i think their main goal is just like wealth extraction like, mm-hmm. I think this is classic colonialism where they're like, quote unquote, improving the people's lives so that they can better extract wealth from these places. And so I don't think they're necessarily as concerned with like the architecture and the like art being just like Fallcrest. Obviously, they're they're interested with imposing their like weird genocide on people by saying who they can reproduce with and and things like that but in terms of like recreating these places in Falkrest's image i'm not getting that vibe yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but again we don't know what Falkrest even looks like so maybe they are and we just don't know it yeah yeah i one thing that i want to say that Falkrest is not doing correctly mm. Yeah, tell us the one thing. Why we're gonna put this much pressure on one test? Mm. Our like civil service exam. Mm-hmm. I don't even get the sense that we're getting a letter of recommendation. You know what I mean? Well, okay, so she does. Yes, but I feel like everyone is getting one test, mm-hmm. and it's deciding a lot. And I just think that that's in a, that's. that's <sighs> See, Luke, in the name but... of efficiency, it's you're sacrificing a lot. Yeah, but it's a meritocracy, Luke. So this test is going to, you know, anybody can do all in this test, right? The problem is, Luke, that's not true, right? She had to study for a long time to do well on this test. So she's got to have the resources. She's got to have a wealthy sponsor who can make sure that she does well on the test. And Luke... Oh, as crappy as this is, that's like the SAT or the ACT. Yeah, dude. I know. This is my point. It sucks. It's really bad. And those tests are terrible. <laughs> right. Those tests are probably much 
much less thought out than this civil service exam, I would assume. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I, I get the sense that, I mean, just like the, it's called the empire of masks, the outward appearance of it is an empire that is a meritocracy. And that's how they keep people, you know, not rebelling constantly is they're like, anybody can do it. If you just work hard enough, you can get to the top. When in fact, it's like, no, really, you can't. Really, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just me and my buddies. It's me, Cardine, Ferrier, or Farrier, or however we're going to say that, and and my buddies. And we control everything, and that's it. Yeah. One one thing that I that I love about this Duchess that that we keep that we keep interacting with is she kind of sees this and Baru does not. There's there's one moment where the Duchess is like telling her the symbol that she is. And Baru's like, no, it's a meritocracy. I don't represent anything but myself. And it's like, do you? <laughs> well, I think... So yeah, I think that you're right where like a lot of these decisions are not made on merit. They're more on like, well, just a lot of other things. Right. They're just who has the power already. Like who are the people in power already and how, and they're using merit as like a mask to say like, yeah, you can be one of us if you work hard. If you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you could be just like us. And it's like, ah, actually there's a lot of other factors that go into it. So. Right. Right. It's like a feel good story where someone, someone gets into Yale and it's like, yeah, for every one of those, there's like a thousand (laughs) <laughs> well I won't, I won't get into it yeah <laughs> something something kind of dumb but i think is important to point out baru's family they they in order to be a part of this new trade that comes to their island at the very beginning of the book they start selling telescopes and that's how they can be a part of this fun hot new trade that happens i think i would rather starve to death than listen to people grinding glass to make telescopes all day okay they're sitting I will say in that the courtyard i have not of their... had much experience with the noise can you just just imagine what it would sound like luke mm-hmm. somebody is taking a, a hard maybe like sand or something and just scrape oh man i can't even i can't even pretend i can't even like uh even thinking about that sound is making me (laughs) making me cringe right now okay but see here's the thing nobody wants to do this job so the prices you can charge pretty high (laughs) right i think that's what i mean i would starve to death before i did this job (laughs) you could not pay me enough to do this job i what a choice we went with guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why Baru's glad that Psalm's dead. <laughs> Is she? <laughs> oh, man. she's not. She's not. She's not. Don't at me. She's not glad about it. We we spent. What was interesting to me actually here is for this type of book, we spent very little time with her childhood, right? In my experience, when I'm reading a book and we start with some very precocious young main character Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time with his or her like training right and growing up right this one which i'm not against because we can jump right into it was like the first three chapters yeah it was very quick very condensed and i'll say still very impactful Mm -hmm. i think i get it i i understand I get what's moving Baru forward. It sounds like it was really bad. Well, it's the other thing is it's very interesting because I think it works really well in this case because the whole point, right, is that she didn't really spend much time with her parents. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It it actually reminds me a lot, speaking of another book that we have read on the show, is uh, The Fall of Hyperion, where we find out the character that like goes back to Hawaii and didn't really even have like a huge relationship with their with their family but like kind of starts a revolution because of mm. that past that they was like taken from them 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting how Baru even recognizes this that like her memory of her home isn't even what her home was like and like it is gone um and i think baru's like crush that we get a little bit this uh aminata or aminata mm-hmm. um they they're like they have this discussion about how their homes don't really exist anymore after the empire took over um and so it's it's kind of weird to think like what is Baru like working towards? Right. And you get like she's being warned that she's going to lose herself in it, which seems very likely considering we don't get a strong sense of the tie that she has to her homeland. Right. Right. And I mean, there's there's every possibility that she is like good intentioned and just ends up being a cog in the big machine of this empire. Like they they anticipate a lot of people are going to be doing this. And that's just Mm -hmm. like how the system is built is is she'll oppress this place over here for the hope that she can help her country and then they'll just shuffle her around somewhere else. And she'll be constantly like trying to to move up and she's making lateral moves in this company we hate lateral moves Mm, can't stand them i want to say baru beat me to the punch on an absurd theory here of of what are we saying farier i like farier because i that's like a very french way of saying it but i kind of like it I, I like it too. She beat me to the punch here of, of guessing that Faria is the emperor, right? Right. right. Um, I'm still on it. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I don't think at all. Okay. I, I agree. I know that he, okay, but he pushes, he tries to push us off with this little thing about the, the emperor being lobotomized, mm-hmm. not buying it. I think it's true. <laughs> and that's, Very convincing. So, so I'm I'm starting to get the sense that like there's kind of a shadowy let, let's say Illuminati that are actually the ones pulling the strings in this empire and the parliament and the emperor are a mask that the Illuminati wear to make people think that they have some influence on the government. I think this is a sense that I'm getting is that they're they're kind of this shadowy actual government. So in in that way Farier could be the emperor, right? In that way, sure, he could very well be the, like, most important actual head of the government. But in terms of this, like, emperor that everybody knows, I don't really I don't really buy it. Okay, okay well, yeah, obviously he's not the one sitting on the throne right now. I, I, I want to say that I made a quick adjustment here to keep the theory alive, but... <laughs> there's a chance i think that but, is possible um we do get a sense that there that faria has equals yes i think yes we definitely do someone mentions that there are or maybe it's he himself that there are other quote-unquote candidates and i forget what else he says but it made it seem like there's like he's sponsoring baru for something yes and there are other people sponsoring their own prodigies exactly it, it gives me a lot of red rising vibes here where mm. darrow is like one of a few options that they're that mm-hmm. they're trying to raise up and so yeah i i agree with you i think there is a larger organization here that farier is a part of what do you think what do you think she's a candidate for do you think that that was just a broad like phrase or do you think that there's a specific Thing in mind i think farye look he's he's getting pretty old and he needs somebody who's young with a pure heart to really bring his chocolate factory into the next generation mm. and he's like a he's just an imperialist willy wonka and he's been going around to all of these small island nations and plucking up giving golden tickets to kids okay. who might Maybe they can uh, they can make it, and whoever gives him the gobstopper at the end will get his get his factory. 
Sure, sure. This feels right to me. This feels very right to me. Uh, alternatively, maybe there's some like, maybe they're having tryouts for their shadowy Illuminati. I think that it's more important than we're than we are giving credit for, because it seems to me that Fourier is investing a significant portion of his life into Baru. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he was doing other things on on her home 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 place, mm-hmm. but for an of what we assume is very important, he spent a lot of time like with her and just this out of the out of the way like island yeah so so i think there's a potential here that he's just a talent scout right yeah okay okay there's a potential here that he's not that important and he's just a talent scout and the reason why the reason why the governor governor cattleson is like showing deference to him that baru picks up on and is trying to figure out maybe maybe the governor is trying to to make the team Maybe the governor is like, oh, if I put on a good show, maybe I'll get a call up. Okay. Meanwhile, the jurispotence or jurisprudence or whatever whatever her name is, she doesn't care. She's like, I, I hate your team. Your team sucks. Very possible. I could see it. Yeah. So I think I think there's a good chance that Farier isn't actually like super important, but that he is like important for finding new talent. Right, he is like a talent scout, mm-hmm. and so they have a lot of people like Farier going around. Um, that said, Farier spends a lot of time with Baru, but Baru is quickly identified herself as unique. Mm-hmm. Like their first encounter, Baru starts throwing around economic theories, and she's like eight. Right. You weren't you weren't there when you were. I was I was mining and smelting myself in RuneScape. Yeah, yeah I was Luke. getting a lot. I was getting a lot of education in RuneScape that I can apply to my uh, my real world. I was trying to private mass- message. I was trying to private message NPCs in RuneScape. Okay, I definitely was not there when I was eight. But I I think you're right that. There's a chance that Farier is super important. There's a chance that that he is very unique and does have a lot of power. But I think there's also a chance he's just a, another talent scout. He's just sure. somebody finding the talent out there. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I want to go back to the Emperor... Because when we initially heard about this, where uh, everybody who's important wears a mask, because it's not about who you are, it's about like the position that you're in. And at first, and I will say at first, because this changes, when we heard about that, I was like, so what even is the emperor? Like, what does that even mean? Because if anybody can just put a mask on, like it could be anybody, right? It could, like one day it's this person and the next day... I'm going to take the mask and I'm going to kill the old person. And it's me now. It like, and how do you know it's the same person even like maybe they hand it off to their brother. Like, I don't really want to do it today. You be the emperor. Like a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions about the mask. I will say you're, you're assuming that the mask is actually like a big mask rather than just a symbolic thing. Like a little Phantom of the Opera cover one eye move. Okay, so actually we do find out that there are half masks, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. do only cover one eye. But I don't know, man. In all the like... I'm very familiar with half masks, so maybe they're more practical than we think. <laughs> That's actually so true. <laughs> too, this is a little too real. It's way too real, Luke. Right now, they're like the parliament's very important. We don't want them all getting sick. Put it up over your nose. Stop wearing a half mask. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't care if it's a casual setting. <laughs> you wear a full mask. You do. You've got to. You've got to. Stop pulling it down when you're talking. Yeah, that's the point. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> 
coach whatever your name is coach all of them coach yeah uh okay but i will say in every superhero comic and movie before like 2000 all you had to have was just the little eye mask and nobody could figure out who you were Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna say that's conclusive evidence that apparently that will conceal your identity plus just find somebody who's like about your height okay the right hair color and then throw like give the mask to him mm-hmm. and nobody's gonna call him out what you gonna call out the emperor they're wearing the mask that's the emperor you can't tell them it's the wrong person because it doesn't matter who's behind the mask luke that's true i just think it's incredibly impractical and I guess we, so we do find out later, and I think this is true, that the Emperor has been lobotomized. Which, side note, for a for a society that's still on horse and carriage, the fact that they figure out lobotomy is like terrible props to you. I mean, I don't love it, but the fact that you're able to do it is impressive. From just right, a, like they've, they've invested a lot of whatever into that kind of thing which you don't you don't want to see you hate to see it but it took i think it took our culture a very long time after horse and carriage to figure that out so i'm gonna say good for us in this side note here but back to (laughs) that it took us so long all right back to what i was trying to say though was i think that the emperor is actually unimportant like, I think in the grand scheme of things, the emperor is just a figurehead for mm-hmm. maybe the parliament, but I think this other organization that Farier works for. And so it doesn't matter. It really it really actually doesn't matter who is wearing the emperor mask because they don't do anything anyway. Right. It actually, now that I think about it, the way that he talks about it and the way that they talk about, like, the parliament makes it... It seems like they think that their like secret way of doing it is more stable and better and more secure. But I now like I think at the beginning of this you were saying that it seems very difficult for Baru to do something. Now that it seems like there's like a little secret cabal. Oh god, we are getting uncomfortably close to conspiracy theories, but. <laughs> I don't love it. Strike cabal from the record. That phrase can't be used anymore. Um, (laughs) It makes it seem like more likely for Baru to be able to pull something off. Mm, I see. Do you agree with that or no? I think I do. I think I very much do. Because if the government worked how we initially thought it did, where there's like a parliament and an emperor you're not really able to accomplish a whole lot for your specific area because Mm -hmm. everybody else is going to outweigh you. Like, even if you're the emperor, you can't be like, hey, my my island gets to be free now. Everything else is fine, but my island gets to chill. (laughs) Or like, every Wednesday, my island gets to be back to how it was. Right, right. Like, you can't, if you're in, to use us as an analogy, if Baru wants to be like one senator, it's like, well... (laughs) I don't really know if you're going to do a ton. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think you're actually right. If it is this like shadowy organization, there's huge potential here for Baru to be able to control things through this. I think this is very true. It also kind of brings me to a question about this empire and and i think a lot of about a lot of like books like this where somebody makes the point that i think it's governor cattleson makes the point that the empire has actually made life better in a lot of ways for people like they have provided economic prosperity they have like created paved roads and like i i think if if you're able to like bring medicine and stable food to people like that's pretty good like even regardless of 
if they have to like work a little bit more for it or, or regardless of other factors, I think bringing some like economic advancement to a place isn't necessarily a problem. But the problem becomes all the other stuff that they that they do that seems completely unrelated, right? Like oh yeah yeah yeah. Like the empire like you should be able to have a bank that does paper money without also being like uh, also gay people can't exist and we're going to tell you who to marry. Okay, yeah. So you're you're saying without the if they did not have the social hygiene thing, the like stamping out religions thing, it wouldn't be that bad. Is that what you're trying to say? I think it might also almost be a positive. Like if they just came in and were like, hey, we have developed this great system of banking that allows for loans and credit and it can really like help boost your economy here so you all can like, we've got doctors that are really good. Uh, Granted, the doctors from the masquerade have figured out lobotomies. So, you know, you there's a lot of bad. I don't, okay, I want to I want to do a quick aside for the lobotomies thing. I don't yeah. know if I believe that they figured it out because Fourier is like it just takes a quick poke <laughs> through the eye, and I don't know a ton about brain surgery. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't feel right to me. Okay, since we're in this little tangent, I will say they used to do lobotomies in our world with an ice pick, where you just you just take an ice pick uh, you, and you poke through this? the top of somebody's eye socket and then just. Just wiggle it around, really, and that's exactly. This how feels they like used you watched Shutter Island once and are and are telling me things. That that, that might actually be where I have this knowledge. Actually, yeah, this is a fair point. Uh, but yeah, so apparently, uh, and I mean, because it's not a really delicate procedure, right? Like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> is what you're saying? I mean, it. You're looking for a pretty broad range of of. <laughs> success here your your definition of success is pretty broad true so so all right i think we've i desperately want to leave this tangent about lobotomies though not good so my my main point is just that like how why why all this other garbage why all this other trash and why not just be like we've got a great economic system uh Mm -hmm. it's gonna really help you out and I, i just all right I get it from a book perspective. That's not a good book. That's a bad book. There's no conflict. I get it. It's not good. But it just seems like every time we get one of these empires that has some cool, like, very effective technology, they also want to do this ridiculous other stuff that has nothing Mm. to do with it. Like, they're not connected. It's just they just want to control people in weird ways. Okay. I mean, the funny thing is, like, you're complaining about this, which you should be. But it's also like, yeah, that's what uh, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, but it sucks. Why are we doing it this? Suck. No, it 100% sucks, right? Um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's not fiction. I, I get it. I get it, Luke. But it's just, it's such, it's such bullshit. Cause you could just be like, here's a bank, use it if you right, want. Like it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not smart even for them. No, I would say, like no. you can even, I feel like exploit them more financially, and still come out better than <laughs> if you like didn't do your crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Right, because it seems like there's a lot of resources that are being wasted tracking down religious people and enforcing heterosexual relationships. Right. And people. and you're you're like you've got a certain amount of this is probably not the right phrase, but like social capital that you can spend. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You spend, because you, you brought spend road. some of it on like exploiting them and getting more resources. And then you spend a lot of it on stamping out everything that they stand for. And it's like, if you took that away, you would have much more to spend on other things. On exploiting them. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I, I will preface this. Luke and I, Luke and I are chemists. 
So I'm sure there's a lot of sociology, people who've studied sociology and anthropology who are just like, yeah, yeah, they, they're connected. You have to do both. I'm sure, I'm sure there might. I hope that the, we, we're not teaching like strategies for exploitation and colonialism, but maybe. Get away from us if you're taking that from this. Don't do that. But also, it might be a little bit nicer to not, to not be an asshole about your bank. It might, it might be. It does seem like they are genuinely, and I don't love this, genuinely like interested in the breeding stuff in the like eugenics stuff yeah yes it does it does seem that way and it's interesting too because in a lot of fantasy books people are identified by where they come from in like very quickly people will like like our main character will look at somebody be like oh they've got to be from this continent because they have these distinct traits and it's like ah I mean, probably, but I, do we have to be like, they're from here because they look like this? <laughs> and and I, I kind of think that this is taking it to the next level of like, well, these people from these places have these characteristics, so let's mix and match. Let's see what happens when we mix them up. And yeah, so the eugenics thing... See, fits very nicely, I think, with the fantasy genre. Ah, uh, nicely is not the way I want to talk about. Man, this sucks. <laughs> we have to. So the thing about doing a podcast about fantasy books is, I just, we have to tiptoe around a lot of like problematic things. Yeah, well, I think we just we just have to be careful with it because we don't want to come across as like endorsing it because it's very bad. It's very bad. We have done a lot on the broad parts of this book mm-hmm. and have not even touched where Baru is for like the most the majority of the section that we've ta- that we read. Yeah. I just want to say that I am a big sucker for the scene in a lot of books. I love this scene where we've got two like enemies that are on opposing sides have a little scene where they just understand each other the respect the mutual respect between enemies so good so So the scene the scene where baru and i'm gonna have the duchess of voltjag voltjag is the the duchess and and they know that well she knows that baru knows her whole scheme that's a scene that i want to read in every book Right, they're overlooking, they're on like a bluff overlooking this forest. The sun is setting and she's like, so the jig's up, huh? Well, good luck. And they have like a, they have like a shake hands, a firm handshake, and they both go about mm-hmm. their plans. Right, right. Like, we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> right, but, it, but, but I will say they aren't actually so different. Like, right. What, like, the Duchess isn't like evil and then just saying like, we're not so different, you and I, when it's like, no, you guys are very different and how dare you? They're they're like actually very similar. So they're like enemies mm-hmm. that I can I can respect that like I think they're both good. I, I think that they're gonna be on the same team at some point. I'm hoping that's the case, yes. I'm hoping we get a little turn. And they're both on the same team. Because are you also getting there's a little bit of chemistry between them? Oh, 100%. There's like some spice happening between the two of them. For sure. More than more than with, uh, what's her name? Aminata? The... You think there's more than with Aminata? I think that there's more. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually. Oh. I don't know. I think, okay, here's the thing. I think Baru has thought a lot more about Aminata and that kind of relationship there. But I think you're right. Like, I think from these few interactions that we have with the Duchess, there does seem to be some intensity there. There's more Poe there, I think. There's more potential. There's more passion, it seems, there. Because, like, two out of three times that we have had this encounter, they've, like, almost made out. Mm-hmm. they've been very close to making out in front of a bunch of people and it's like oh whoa okay <laughs> all right cool cool very cool um 
Do you think that the, this is kind of an aside? Do you think that the peasants in this duchy were like, "You're gonna, you're gonna sell me a thousand acres for twenty bucks"? I mean, <laughs> okay. You got to imagine some of them are like skeptical of the Nigerian prince kind of thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the Duchess is like, "Hey, I would like for you to buy all of my gold." Uh, for the for the low low price of twenty thousand papers that I'm just gonna give you, <laughs> and they're like, uh, "You're gonna have me killed, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're gonna do this and then have me killed and take it back, aren't you?" Right, or like something has happened on this land that I'm gonna get blamed for. <laughs> right, like how many bodies are are underneath this this topsoil, this fresh topsoil that I see. Oh no, it's it's very fertile. It's really good for growing crops. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how many bodies did you put down there? I just like, need there to had know. to have been there had to have been a public outreach campaign that was like the opposite of a normal one. That was like, this land sucks. <laughs> Take it. It's worth it's worth garbage, but you can have it. You can have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they had to do it. They had to uh, really undersell it and then mm-hmm. have some prospectors go around like, did you know on the land that you bought, there's oil down there? There's millions of barrels of oil underneath this desert land that you bought. Incredible. Mm-hmm. What a mm-hmm. great find. Or they had to have a bunch of people going out, like, being secretive, pretending to be secretive with, like, tips. Right, right. Hey, hey Steve, I... I've heard that uh, the price of of oak wood is going to go up by 2,000% this year. Be, be sure to get in on that early and not after Stephen Colbert talks about it. Because after that, mm-hmm. it's all downhill from that right. point. Yeah. Yeah, this is a... I think that is the savvy move that she goes with. I think that's the savvy move. Uh I mean, because there's no way she's telling everybody her plan. It would be wild if the whole area was in on it. Right. It would be wild if she's just telling literally everybody within her borders. And then, although it does kind of explain why everybody shuts up when when Baru comes around. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like <laughs> it's like when you get a substitute teacher and the whole class, like, writes something on the whiteboard behind them. And the and the sub comes in and starts talking without looking at it, and everybody's just like, "Oh, nobody say anything, nobody say anything," <laughs> no, and they won't notice. Yeah, that or like when the sub comes in and and two people pretend to be each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. The classic move that is pointless. Done that all the time. Done that so many times. Either way, very savvy, I guess. Very savvy. I think that's got to be what's going on. That's got to be what's going on. Something that surprised me a lot with Baru was how put together she is at the very beginning when she shows up to this new place and how quickly she just gets sloppy drunk with her crush at a bar. Mm -hmm. That was so surprising to me because I think from from our picture of Baru, and her like she's she's very driven and she knows that everybody's watching her and so she's got to be very put together that that all makes sense to me but then this scene where she is just getting hammered at a at a bar slash strip club apparently with her friend is such a quick turn it felt like such a quick turn to me mhm i would ag- i would definitely agree now I think I think this does a good amount of characterization for Baru though. Partly because I think it makes this later scene where she's just constantly drunk because she bankrupted the whole economy. It makes that make a lot of sense as like something Baru might actually do. Mm-hmm. But I I think it also shows the struggle of like Baru like being herself in this society like baru can't baru can't conceal 
her own like desires and ambitions behind the mask all the time right like baru wants to hang out with aminata at the bar but like baru wants to go get drunk and hang out with her friends and like sometimes she's just gonna do that Mm -hmm. because eh, why not yeah it's interesting because you can tell that she knows that she shouldn't be doing things but she's still gonna do them right right and one thing that i would also say about this particular instance is that she has not drunk wine before i think right this is the first time she's had alcohol is when she comes to this place right and she immediately turns it to 11 this is like a freshman this is a college right. freshman. She's, she this is her first time having alcohol and then in every scene from then on she's like let's go get a pour pour yourself a bottle of wine or a glass of wine and, and pour me one too hey you guys ever try fireball for breakfast i hear it's good goes great with toast uh yeah yeah and i think this is this is partly explained because it sounds like they don't really trust the water up here in this new place she's living so they just mix alcohol in with everything i couldn't tell if that was actually the case or if that was just like a saying where yeah like people drink beer all the time yeah that could be that could be it is that they're all they're all just drinking all the time and they say uh i don't know about that water i don't know about it nobody's ever actually gotten sick from it but they need a way to explain the fact that they're constantly drinking beer i do think it would be hard to believe or convince me that people have not gotten sick drinking their water considering i'm pretty sure they just like dump sewage into the river yeah it sounds like they do sounds like they do which is like cholera 101 but it's early you know it's early yeah yeah that you'd think there'd be a way around it but i guess not i guess we're doing wine for breakfast she does she does it's great little breakfast wine the last thing i want to say luke I guess the last question I want to ask you. So, Murray Lowe, I, I don't actually know how to pronounce this. M U I R E. Murray. Oh, the assistant. Murray Lowe is her secretary. Yeah. Murray. Uh-huh. Murray. That sounds good. Murray Lowe. How do we trust Murray? How how much do you trust Murray? Because I don't know what it was. I trusted him fully as soon as we met him. I did too. I'm, okay, so I'm very open to the idea that we shouldn't be trusting him. Yeah. But I do. But I want to trust him so bad. Like, right. like, like I don't trust Aminata or whatever her name is. No. But I do trust Muri Lowe. I, I trust him. Yeah. As soon as we met him, even though Baru was like, he's probably been, you know, he's probably been set to watch me. He's probably here to spy on me. Yeah. yeah. I didn't but believe like, her. But like a secretary that has good chemistry with your main character, that's always a great duo. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not willing to root against that. No, no, definitely not. I We really want Muri to be true. We would love that. And it seems like it seems like he is at least so far been pretty honest with our girl baru so i'm hopeful i'm really hopeful can we uh, can we just talk about really really quickly the low level of suspicion that you need to have against you to for it to be like super problematic like this guy notes down an observation that she goes upstairs with aminata mm-hmm. and it's like that could have ruined my career that seems extreme to me. It's also wild in a world with no video how they're a- they're willing to just take the word of someone who wrote down something. And it has such it can have such huge consequences. It's like I get it, he's got this special book that's like guaranteed by some organization that he had it with him at the time. But he just wrote that down like 
Why? Why does that matter? He wrote that down. Anybody could do that. It's one guy. It's not like you had three people who right. didn't know each other, right? Like the way to do it would be you have three people who don't know each other and they all write down the same thing. Oh, then you can be pretty sure it's real. You you could never convince me like 100% that someone that you have an interest in undermining is like doing something untoward. Like, well, you probably just made that up. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Uh, I think this hits on something we mentioned earlier about how this empire, like, seems to be set up in a way that that could be really good. Like, if it was actually how they claimed it was, this seems like it might be a a decent place. Aside from the whole eugenics stuff. If it was, like, if there was a parliament and an emperor who, like, rotated through. Like, if they actually did that stuff then it might be cool. Like it might be kind of cool and progressive in terms of how to rule mm-hmm. over people. Like, and if this system of like witnesses with like a log book that they had to keep specific notes, like if that were like worked in the right way, it would be cool. But instead it's just like it's clearly manipulating everyone. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I would agree. Oh man. So, we're gonna keep going again. Uh, I wanna, I wanna say for any of our listeners who don't want something this heavy right now, try something else. Do something else for now. It's totally cool. It's totally it cool. Is. But you know, Luke and I, we're gonna stick with it because our job, our job as podcasters for you is to come up with hot takes and act like dumb nerds. 